890 AD. And they only have about 643 manuscripts. But nobody doubts the story of Homer's Iliad. There is more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than Julius Caesar ever existed. We have way more evidence, way more manuscripts, way more things to, to fact check against it in the, the, the validity of the scriptures than any other historical manuscript ever written. Every religion has a, a holy book. Every religion has some type of like holy antiquity writing that they go back to. But for us, we can go to the evidence of the scriptures and the manuscripts. I believe God in his divine hand he, he, he kept those manuscripts that we would be able to today speak in colleges and to your kids that when I open the Word of God, it's accurate to how it's, it was originally written. Secondly, uh, I go to that Jesus believed the Old Testament to be truth. The Son of God taught, uh, of everything Jesus said, 10% of it is quoting the Old Testament. He believed in the truth of the Old Testament. Now, I believe this is God's Word, inerrant, infallible, the creator of the universe wrote his word to you and I. Now I realize some of you are here today or you're watching online, you don't believe that yet. And that's okay. We want you to keep hanging out with us and we'd love to talk even more about it. You're just not at that place yet. Well, here's what I wanna challenge you to do. Can you at least step back for a second and say that you believe the Bible is at least historically accurate? That the dates and the place and the times and the things that they're talking about, the more that we discover, the more that they dig up, the more that they find, the more manuscripts and history that they find, they're actually finding the Bible is actually historically accurate. I believe it's historically reliable. And here's why this is important. Because then we get into why did they write it? Like, why would you, if you were in the New Testament times, they're murdering Christians, why would you write it down? I mean, if you didn't believe it, if this was not true, if they didn't see the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, why would you write it down that way? Think about it. It can't be because they wanted to be famous. They, got, they didn't get famous. They got dead. Every one of them. They all were martyred for what they believed to be truth. They wrote it down because they wrote what they have seen and what they would have heard, and people in their writings during that lifetime could counteract it, but they couldn't. And let me tell you why they couldn't. Because Jesus rose from the dead. The only thing they had to do to make everything that they had written and said false, to make it hypocrisy and a lie, they only had to do one thing, produce the body of Jesus. If they would have produced the body of Jesus, then everything would have been off. That's, so think about the manhunt that took place to find the body of Christ. Why do you think they didn't find it? Well, Jesus was resurrected for 40 days, they saw him and then he rose to the right hand of the Father because what they said, it is accurate. I, Jesus believed the Old Testament was true. I believe the translation of the Bible, they're miraculous in their accuracy and their preservation. But let me give you another one. And let me tell you why this is important to me. I can give you way more than this. We just don't have a ton of time. I just wanted to wet your whistle a little bit that the Bible is God's word. Let me tell you why I use this last one. I use this a lot today. Because there are more skeptics than ever that the Bible is God's word. And they don't believe the Bible is God's word. So from the church, if you go to them and you say, well, let me just tell you, I believe the Bible is God's word because the Bible says it's God's word. They're gonna look at you and say, okay, that's a circular argument. You're making an argument that the Bible is God's word because the Bible says it's God's word. That's like you going to the court, you're being accused of a crime and you saying, I'm not guilty because I'm telling you I'm not guilty. Awesome. 
Circular argument, doesn't work. So let me tell you what I've, I've, the discussions that I've been having and what I've found to be true. There is nothing that reads humanity like the Bible. Nothing reads humanity like the Bible, and here's why. When I'll preach a sermon, I will talk about the scriptures, and people will come up to me and say, man, I tell you what, preacher, like you were speaking straight to me today. Like you were just talking to me. And I always wanna tell them, nope, nope, I wasn't. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the details of what you need to hear. But the Word of God speaks to our humanity and what we experience in humanity better than anything ever written or that you could ever read. Because here's why, when you read the Bible, the Bible's actually reading you. And here's why. Because the creator of the universe, the person who made you, who knows you, who knows everything about you, your faults, your failures, everything you would ever go through, he wrote his Word to you because he loves you and he wants you to have it. And so because of that, he knows you better than you know yourself. So when you read through God's word, you're like, oh my word, this is exactly what I'm going through. And God's like, I know, I made you. The Bible speaks to humanity better than anyone else. Billy Graham was given a TED Talk, if you know what that is. TED Talk is this discussion in front of a lot of uh, elite type of thinkers. And in this TED Talk, he was specifically speaking to Google and a lot of really high tech people. And, and think about it, I mean, they're thinking, oh, here we go, this old Southern Baptist evangelist about to give a TED Talk. Like, what's he gonna say? But everybody, as he began to speak, got silent and began to listen to every word that he said, because here is how he started. He says this, there is no amount of technology that can fix the human heart. Silence, I would have loved to have been in there. Because every single person in there thought, man, that guy has a great insight into humanity. I mean, he has a great insight in humanity. And Billy Graham says, absolutely not. I don't have a great insight into humanity. I just have the Bible. You see, there's nothing that can fix the human heart. It's the, the Word of God that exposes humanity in our mind, in our heart, like nothing else can. Because our Creator wrote it, He has it for us. I, 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 like, I, I laugh often when people tell me, you preach that sermon for me. Let me just throw this out there. I promise you, I don't see somebody walk in and go, oh my goodness, oh man, uh, there's Bob. He just had a bad breakup and we're, that's it. We're changing the sermon and we're now about to have, like, Jesus is better than a girlfriend. That doesn't happen. <laughs> like, we don't just see you and go, oh man, I think they've been struggling with like loss and we're changing the sermon and preaching on loss. That doesn't happen. All we have to do is to preach the Word of God and it speaks into all humanity. It speaks into where we live, work, and play and what we experience and what we grow through better than anything else that you're ever gonna find because God wrote it to speak to us right where we are, right what we go through, that we might know Him, all right, that we can enjoy Him. Some of you, as we begin to think, matter, let's just go ahead to verse 28. Let's keep walking because I wanna make sure I get all this. All right, verse 28. He says, I'm weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Let me just stop there. Once again, he's speaking to humanity. How many of you have experienced grief? I mean, real grief where you have lost and you are struggling in that grief. Not always a person. Sometimes it can be a job. Sometimes it can be a dream. Sometimes it can be a friendship and you just grieve what's happened in that. He says, I, I'm weary from grief. You know, there's no tired like grieving tired. All out grief, how it consumes your mind and your heart. He says, I'm weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Now look what he says here. He says, keep me from the way of deceit 
and graciously give me your instruction. You know, when we begin to think about the Word of God, sometimes we just go through hard things in life. We go through difficulties. I would bet you I could walk around this room, I could talk to some people online right now, and you're just going through some stuff, hard stuff. You're grieving, you're stressed, you're going through difficult times. It, it, there's difficulties that we face in life. And in those difficulties, in those difficult moments, that's often when we are attacked, when we face deception. I, I think about in the movie Lion King, there's a phase where you got little Simba as a cub and his dad is, is walking him and, and a bird is standing there on this rock and he, he puts the little cub down and he's teaching the cub how to pounce. He's teaching him how to, uh, how to pounce. So he, he tells the bird to turn around and they lay down in the grass and the bird turns around and he can't see them. And he's like, oh boy, here we go. And then all of a sudden, like, poof, like they get him. He's like, yeah, that's my boy. He's teaching him like, how to attack and so the prey doesn't see him so that he can get him when he's not ready. This is what happens in our life. We go through grief, we go through difficulties, we go through hard times. That's when the attack comes. Not when you're strong and facing it and ready for it. It comes through these moments of difficulties and trials. So here he says, Lord, in my grief, strengthen me. And then right behind that he says, Lord, keep me from the way of deceit. Because it's in your weak moments that deceit comes in. Think about it, every single person in this room has a record playing in your head. There are words that are talking in your head all the time. Everybody, as I'm preaching, you're evaluating and you're listening and you're engaging. Some of you have checked out and you began to think about your grocery list, but most of you, you're engaging and, and listening to yourself in your head. Right now, you're like, man, I'm talking to myself. All of us in this room are talking to ourselves in our head. You are. We are made that way. And here's what happens in those grief moments. In those difficulties, in those hard moments, if we're not careful, we will tell ourselves the wrong thing. We will begin to tell, our, tell ourselves things that aren't true, things that aren't right. Some of you today, you are so busy telling yourself falsehood that when you get into the Word and He says, God, protect me from deceit, the deceit is not other people, the deceit is what you're deceiving yourself with in your head. You're telling yourself the wrong thing. God, I'm weak, I'm not able. God, I can't do this, this is not possible. We can't overcome this. I'm never, I'm never going to get through the other end. I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. This person said I can't do this. And you are listening to these wrong things. Maybe some of you've had a coach who spouted off at the mouth and told you something and you believed it and you replay it in your head all the time. And now you believe that. Maybe you had a, an abusive parent who shot out at the mouth in a, a moment of anger and told you something and here you are years later and you have made that a part of your identity because you believed what they're telling you and you're telling yourself wrong. Maybe you've had a mean friend or maybe you've had a negative spouse who shot out and told you some things and now it's a part of your identity. Maybe you're a parent and your child in their moment of anger shot out and said, I'll never love you. You're not my mom, you're not my dad, or Bob, and you believed it. And now you are depressed and struggling because every day what you are playing over in your mind is that. And you're telling yourself the falsehood. You're telling yourself wrong. He says, God, in your word, keep me from deceit. Parents, we should teach our children how to make sure that they are winning the battlefield of their mind that the Word of God is speaking truth into who they are, not what people say. Look, that's the whole thing about bullying, and this is what the world is getting wrong. They're getting it right in that we're addressing bullying. What the world is getting wrong is the solution to it. The solution is not to tell you like 10 positive things. 
Because let's all be honest, students. We don't hear the 10 positive things, do we? You hear the one negative and you let it stick in your mind and you put it on replay. We don't need less bullying. We need more Jesus in our mind to tell the truth to us. So when we are bullied, we can be like, yep, no, the Lord is keeping me from deception. That's not true. That's not who I am. Because the Lord is protecting me. Adults, this isn't just for students, is it? This isn't just for students. Some of you, you have grown older in age, yet you still remember that conversation with your mom or your dad, and it's formed you. And you need the Word of God to keep you from deceit. I've heard some people say it in this way. 50 years ago, Martin Luther King changed America. He fought, he walked, he did everything he could that we would see all people of all colors that are made in the image of God that should live for the glory of God. Amen? I've heard some people say something like this. Well, look, that happened like 50 years ago. We shouldn't have racism anymore. We shouldn't, should we? Should we? No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Right, we should not have racism anymore. But we would be foolish to think that people are not still replaying in their mind what they were told 50 years ago by people, what they were told 40 years ago by people. So when we think, oh, well, you just need to stop being sensitive about that, no, you, look, all of us, Satan attacks our mind and he tries to bring up things from a long time ago and puts it on replay. So we realize Satan's a liar, but the lies are still there. So we have to apply the gospel to win that over. That people would be filled with the truth of the Word of God. So we want to make sure, Lord, keep us from deception. You see, you can only put false things out of you by putting the truth in you. We can do everything we can to change the way that you think about yourself, but it'll never happen until you put the truth of God in you. So let me maybe even say it this way. If they did not create you, they cannot define you. God created you. Only He gets to define who you are. He gets the final word on who you are in him and, and what, what you are in, in Christ. So let's keep going. Look at verse 30 with me. He says, I've chosen the way of truth. I've set your ordinances before me. I cling to your decrees. Lord, do not put me to shame. I pursue the way of your commands for you broaden my understanding. And this is interesting. He's actually saying, God, I want more of your commands. I want more of your law. I want more of your truths. I want more of your precepts. I mean, Think about it. Like some of you in this room right now are thinking, oh my, why would anybody say like, I want more of your commands? I'm choking on the ones I've got. I want more of your truth. I want more of your precepts. And, and this is what he's saying. God, I want more of it. And you know why? Because we can't follow what we don't know. Some of you right now, you're like ignorance on fire. You're ready to follow God, but you just don't know what you're even supposed to be doing. <laughs> I remember right after I gave my life to Christ. I'm talking like weeks, okay? I'm a few week old baby Christian. And this was back, students, if you make fun of this, I'm coming after you. This was back when um, there was like still like tape cassettes and cars, right? Uh, some of y'all are like, I remember the eight track. Okay, well, you know, okay, tape deck. And so I'm riding in my youth pastor's car and I'm like, oh, you've gotta listen to this song. And I whip out this tape. I pop that tape in there and it is like 90s rap. And it is like breaking out, beating, and then all of a sudden I see his face light up huge. And I'm like, what is it? You don't like that song? That beat is amazing, that song is amazing. He's like, let me just cut this down for just a second. It does have a really nice beat to it. 
but I don't know if you noticed, but it also had a lot of like bad words and stuff in it. And I'm like, what? I didn't hear a single cuss word in that song. He's like, well, I'm not gonna replay it, all right? He was, he was just gracious and kind. I'm a few weeks old. I had no clue that I wasn't supposed to listen to things like that and put that stuff in my mind and my heart. And graciously, he said, okay, here's what I want us to do. Let's start talking about maybe things that you do put in your mind and you do put in your heart. And I'm like, so I, I shouldn't listen to that anymore? And he's like, you can listen to things with a beat, but you need to listen to words that are right. So I started listening to words of songs that I was singing and it broke my heart. First of all, it broke my heart that I just like introduced my youth pastor to this. Like, what in the world? But I didn't know, I was so young, I didn't know. Some of you, you're here today and that's where you are. You're a baby Christian, you're new in Jesus and you don't know what you don't know. So you need to continue to spend time in the word of God that you would know his truth. That you can walk in the fruitfulness of righteousness that is, his truth lays out. It is not only for his glory, it's also for our good. It was amazing what changed in my life when I began to put the right things into my mind and into my thinking. You see, you can't follow what you don't know. And some of you today, I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad you're watching online and we want to help you know more of God's truth that you can enjoy the fruit that comes from that. So let me ask you, what's your daily discipline in this? Let me just tell you two ways I think about this personally. Two ways that I think about like growing in, in the discipline of reading the Word of God. I think about daily rhythm, and deep dives. Daily rhythm, a professor instilled this in me and now it is so, it has helped me so much. When I think about not reading the Bible to pass a test, but to enjoy God, I think about my daily rhythm and deep dives. Some of you right now, you need to develop a daily rhythm of spending time in God's Word. You just need to evaluate, what's my daily rhythm of spending time in the Word of God? So for me, I'm not a morning person, all right? It takes me a little while to get things going. So first thing I do in the morning as I'm praying is I listen to Christian music. All right, and now it's Christian rap. I'm dropping some Lecrae. I'm getting my heart toward the things of God. I'm, I'm singing unto the Lord. I'm praising God so that I'm getting awake and I'm, my heart is kind of pointing to the things of God and, and then I'm gonna spend some time in, in God's word. All right, sometimes it's 10 to 15 minutes. Sometimes it might be longer, shorter. I know some of you have read like these early church fathers that spent like five hours in the word. Let me just encourage, I'm not there yet, okay? I'm just, I know some of you in your mind, like, oh, he's a pastor. He's like spent five hours in the Word before we've had breakfast. I probably woke up at the same time you did, okay? And so, but daily rhythm. Every day, think about a daily rhythm like swimming. All right, I wanna stay on top of the water and I'm just gonna keep swimming, all right? And so I just wanna keep swimming. And you will be shocked what happens in your mind and your heart if you will spend time in God's Word every day. See, some of you, you can remember when I said 90s rap, some of you started playing 90s rap songs in your head because you listen to it a few times every day. Some of you, you listen to a few songs every, every day and now you can remember it. You will be shocked what God does in your heart if you just have a daily rhythm to spend time in God's word every day. That's my daily rhythm. But then I also want times where I have deep dives where now I'm no longer trying to swim fast across the top of the water. I'm just trying to stop right there and I'm gonna go dive down. I wanna dive into the Word of God. Now I'm gonna read all of Romans in one sitting. Now I'm gonna take this one chapter and I'm gonna spend a lot of time in this one chapter, not to preach a sermon, not to teach a D group, not to preach for youth camp, not to help someone else, but Lord, teach my heart. This is not food for anyone else. Lord, this is food for me to chew on. Now, those typically make the very best lessons I'll ever preach because God is teaching my heart. 
All right, and so I want daily rhythms, deep dives. So where do you make space for daily rhythm in God's word and times where you wanna have deep dives in the word of God? It, let it be a daily discipline. Uh, as we close out our time today, let me give you two things I think we can gain from this text, all right? I told you I'm gonna give you two points. We're gonna get through them. Number one, the word of God gives you life. The word of God gives you life. When you think about the word, I don't want you to only think about like words on the page. Those are life-giving. But the word of life is not just the Bible, but the person who is the word, all right? The Bible is not just these letters that is written to us, but it's also a person. You see, first of all, in Genesis, we were created by the word. God, he spoke and, and the world was created. We're also instructed by the word, but then we're also called by the word. Think about it, how are you saved? Someone spoke to you. He began to speak, hey, you, this is for you. This is where you're at. You need the word. John chapter one, verse 14 tells us that Jesus, he is the word. It's not just an instruction manual, but it's someone for us to know. See, the word is telling us about a person, the person of, of God. The word came to give us life. The only way that we will ever follow the text is to see that the text became flesh and dwelt among us and loved us so much that he died for us that we could have life. This is called the gospel. In between our creation and our calling for salvation is Jesus being crushed on the cross is a payment for our sin debt so that we could have life. And the only way that you will ever get into the word is if the word first gets into you. We can tell you all day long, hey church, you need to read your Bible. Matter of fact, how many of you have heard sermons where somebody said you need to read your Bible? And what happens is without Jesus, you will make it a test to be passed. But with Christ in your heart and in your life, you get swept away by the story. You read yourself into every page. That sinner that's been saved by grace, I can write Jacob. That person has an inheritance that will never perish, that's talking about Jacob. That's me having a seat at the table. That person who needs patience, well, that's Jacob. <laughs> that person who gets God's grace, well, man, that is, man, that's Jacob. I'm in the story. That person who's gonna advance the gospel and make the name of Jesus known to the ends of the earth because of Jesus, that, that's now Jesus, that's Jacob. The word of God gives us life, and he gives it abundantly. The word of God is life-giving. So let me just stop here and ask you, do you know Jesus as Savior and Lord? Do you know him? Last service, a young lady came in here to watch somebody get baptized, and she came walking down and said, I wanna give my life to Jesus and join the church. Because for the first time, the Bible was not just a text to read, but it was someone to know. And that person is Jesus. Do you know him? Secondly, not only does the word give you life, but the word enlarges our heart for obedience. The word of God, it enlarges our heart for obedience. Look how he ends this text. He's saying, give me more of your words. I, I wanna cling to your decrees. Lord, do not put me to shame. I pursue the way of your commands, uh, for you broaden my understanding. We wanna pray that as we get into the word, the word of God will get into us. That he'll broaden our heart and our understanding, our desire to obey him. We get into it because, well, he's gotten into us. Hey, I can tell you that I've done my very best. I was a student pastor for two years. Uh, I was uh, lead pastor for uh, like nine years before I came here. And part of the thing that is a sermon, every year I'm gonna preach some sermon on people loving the word of God. Can I tell you, I've probably beaten my head over this more than anything else in my life. Because we know that if you will just get in the word and the word will get in you, it'll change your life. 
It will change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your finance. There's no part of your life it won't touch. But Satan will also do absolutely everything he can to keep you out of the Word of God. He'll do everything he can. So I want to share with you something that was shared to me. How to start this. Now, to all my men, I want you to listen to me. Because what I'm about to say, sometimes men check out right here. And I did. The first time I heard what I'm about to tell you, I checked out and I said, ain't no way men do this. He said, yeah, I promise you, if you do this as a man, it'll help you. So I'm about to drop it to you. You ready? Somebody showed me the power of having something called a hear journal. A hear journal. I heard journal and I thought, ain't no way. I'm not turning in my man card for a journal, okay? And they said, do you really wanna grow in the word? And I said, absolutely. And they said, okay, try this for 30 days. If it doesn't work, throw it away. I said, okay, here we go. So I'm about to show you what a hear journal is. I'll tell you, students, if you will start practicing this right now, every adult in this room would tell you, if they could do anything, they would say, start this practice right now in your life. It'll change your trajectory of your life. Everything you ever do will be impacted if you'll start this, a hear journal. Number one, highlight a few things. When I first started reading the Bible, I just highlighted the whole page. Just, just every, it's all awesome. Like, just highlight the whole thing. But I wasn't getting, I wasn't drawing out like mining anything from it. So as you're reading through the scriptures in your, your daily rhythm, highlight a few things that really particularly hit you. Highlight a few areas. Maybe today as you're reading through uh, verse 25 through 32, you're, there's a certain one that hits you. Highlight that. All right, highlight that verse. Highlight a few things. Secondly, in the E, explain it in your own words. All right, so now that I've highlighted something, I'm gonna step back to my journal. I highlighted this verse. Here's what he is saying. Here's what this means. I do this right now with my kids. I'll read a few pages in the book, and then I'll say, who is this book talking about? What color pen did he have? What color is the sock? I wanna know that they're understanding what I'm reading. Now let's put something out on the table. How many of you have read the Bible before and not understood something that you just read? Come on, put your hands up, let's go. I want you to see that. Because some of you right now, you have stopped reading because you read something, didn't understand it, and thought, man, that's it, I just can't get this, I'm not smart enough, I'm like, I'm done. Guess what, join the club. I'm your pastor. And there are times I read it and I say, say what? Isaiah, what are you talking about? Leviticus. That was Levita awful. Like, what in the world are you talking about? And I have to stop. And I have to die. okay, let me slow down and explain what is he talking about? What's going on? What's the storyline? And how does this fit in the story? And then as I begin to explain it in my own words, I get what they're saying. Some of you, if you're reading to pass the test, all right, just like for your reading assignment at school, did you read this book? Yes. But stop and ask yourself, do I understand what I just read? Explain it. So highlight a few things, explain it in your own words. Third, apply it. Apply it to your life. What does this text now mean to me? What is this saying about my sin? What do I need to repent? What am I, like, what does this mean to me? Where I'm at in life? Where, how does this word apply to where I am? Let me tell you an awesome thing about a hear journal. A few years later, you get to pick that bad boy up every now and then and look at it. And you get to see where you were in that moment and how God met you right where you were in his word. How he spoke to your human existence through the truth of his word and how he encouraged you and lifted you up. So apply it to your life and then lastly respond in a prayer to God. Write it out. God, thank you for what you've shown me about my sin. It's filthy rotten. And honestly, I needed somebody to tell me the truth. God, thank you for what this showed me about my mind. Thank you for what this showed me about my marriage. Lord, I, I pray today that my response would be 
Lord, power me, strengthen me. Help me to return back to my hear journal tomorrow that I can develop a daily rhythm. All right, some of you, your daily rhythm starts today. All right, and you, if the only time your daily rhythm is Sunday, that's not a rhythm, okay? That's like a one-time thing. We want a rhythm every day. So maybe today you're gonna go home, you're gonna go get a journal or something, and you're gonna say, okay, what book should I start? Go read John, start there. Start in John and just start reading it and say, what is he saying? What does this mean? How does this apply to me? And respond to prayer in God. And watch what will happen in your life. Church, listen to me. Watch what will happen in us as we become a people who have a daily rhythm in the Word of God and who dive deeper in the truth of who God is. You see, we're not trying to make disciples who are trying to beat the test, but people that are swept away in the story of God's Word and say, God, I want to read. I want to spend time in your truth. Let's see what will happen. We stand with me, Father, today? Lord, in my own heart and in the life of our church, if we're not careful, um, Lord, we will read your word like we're trying to pass a test. And Lord, we don't want a daily rhythm of just test takers where we say, oh, I'm a disciple, this is what I have to do. Lord, I pray that you would move and captivate our church body, that we would spend time in your word because we're captivated by the story. God, let us be swept away that from the beginning of time you knew our sin, yet you still would come for us. You would die for my sins and that you would give us new life. Lord, I pray that every person in this room and every person that's watching online would first be able to say that the word has gotten into me because I have a personal relationship with Jesus. God, if there's someone in here, like in our first service, who doesn't know you, I pray right now you'd move their heart. Holy Spirit of God, speak your word to them. Lord, draw them to you. Would today be the day of their salvation? But Lord, for all of us, I pray that we would be a people of your word, that we would spend time in it, Lord, grow us in it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, we're gonna have a time where we can respond. We're gonna sing together, but maybe you just wanna come and pray. Maybe your prayer today is, okay, Lord, let's start this here journal. I, I need to start today. Help me in this. I've started and stopped a bunch of times. Lord, I wanna be a person who spends time in your word, not because I have to, but because, God, you've gotten into me. Maybe you just wanna come and say, you know what? This is the church that God wants me to be a part of. I wanna grow with other people. And I wanna partner in doing that. Look, we'd love to help you in it. But maybe today is the day for you to finally say, you know what, I've been around God, but I want God in me. I wanna follow him. Our pastor's gonna be down here. We'd love to help you to respond to the gospel. We're gonna sing together, altar's open. You guys come. You're the one who walked on water and you call the raging seas. You command the highest mountains fall upon their knees you're the one who welcomes sinners and you open blinded eyes you restored the broken hearted and you brought the dead to life getting all our sins you With authority you've spoken And you set the captive 
out of here today as we leave. Uh, remember, if you are a guest with us, I'd love to meet you in the connect room in just a moment. But here's how I want to close this out. And, and I know, I pray that as a whole church body, man, that we will leave today saying, I want to spend time in your word. But men, I specifically want to speak to you for just a moment. Man, I have found uh, in my own life that if I'm not careful, uh, I will be like Adam and be passive in this. And so men, I just want to make sure that you're not just hoping your family is growing in God's word, but that you will actively play a role in that. Man, let your family know your daily rhythm of reading God's word. Share with your kids, hey man, today I was reading in God's word this. Man, men, set the example in that. If your wife's not reading the Bible, if your family's not reading the Bible, you do it. You lead the way in that, and watch what will happen as your family takes and watches the leadership. Of, of you as a man reading and spending time in God's Word. And so, man, I really, this is something I, I want to call us to. Uh, because I can tell you, there's probably a lot of moms on Mother's Day that aren't only praying for their children. They're probably also praying for their husband. And so we want to lead the way in that. And, man, God might be using you uh, to reach other men and other families and that we'd lead. Some of you, you've never had an example of anyone that's read the Bible, so you don't know how to lead in that. Go around and hang out with some of our other men and say, hey, how are you doing this? And they might say, I'm trying to work on this too. Let's go ask another guy. But hang around some other men and say, look, what does it look like uh, for you just to lead in reading the word and, and sharing with your family that you're spending time in the word of God? And let's just watch what God does in our fellowship when we just stand right on it and watch what God does in our church body. Will you pray with me as we close? God, Lord, as a man and uh, Lord, as the men in our church, Lord, I just pray that you would just create within us a hunger um, to desire your word, to grow in it. And Lord, we want to pray for those maybe even this morning that are a little skeptical. Uh, Lord, just maybe even challenging, not exactly sure where they are with Jesus and, and where they are with the word. And we just pray that you would just allow them to keep coming. Lord, let them just come and sit around the word and be around other believers as we walk through it. And, and God, that you would show them, that you would teach their heart, that they would hear that divine word, that you would call their name. God, as we leave, we know that there's a lot of people that are struggling in that grief, that are hurting, that like that very first verse says, that they were falling in the dust. There's a lot of people, Lord, falling in the dust, and we have the answer. We have life that they are so looking for, and it's you. So God, as your church now is dispersed, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would leave following you, loving you in a daily rhythm where we live, work, and play to make your name known. We love you. For us in Christ's name we pray. All God's people said, amen. amen.